The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about other topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the person stating them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Ed. This week, week, today, this day, today, we're going to talk about uh, two whiskey experiences that we had in the past couple weeks. My first trip to the Whiskey Lounge. Our Whiskey Lounge. Yes. Um, I didn't say my Whiskey Lounge, did I? No, but just okay. the Whiskey Lounge. All right. It's our Whiskey Lounge, sorry. Yes. And a whiskey tasting event at a local restaurant that we went to with a couple of our friends. Ed is going to start with the specifics. Yeah. First of all, I didn't mean that we own the Whiskey Lounge. As we mentioned earlier, we belong. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be. It is a retirement dream if you have to have them. We went to our Whiskey Lounge and it was Scott's first visit. So we broke open our bottle of uh, Angel Envy Rye, which is one of our personal favorites, which we have in our locker. We're able to purchase bottles at a pretty good price through the lounge and they store it in our locker. The lounge itself has 129 American whiskeys, so we're always tempted to purchase stuff off the menu. It's really delicious stuff there, stuff you can, you know, it's very rare, stuff you, you certainly wouldn't want to spend two, $300 a bottle. This is what we talked about earlier, where if you want to treat yourself or you want to try something that you hear people talking about, $15, $18, you could do it. Most of the drinks in there are around 12 including the Manhattan. You get a very nice Manhattan, which I've had there several times. Yeah, I should have had it that night. I was too busy drinking our Angels Envy Rye. Now, if you want to have something besides American whiskey, you can order it through the uh, lounge and they'll store it in your locker for you. You can have vodka, you can have gin. And we have an Irish whiskey. We get the Red Breast 12-year. We did. The night that we were there, we talked about how thin it tasted after the maple syrup goodness of the Angel and Rye. Mm. But then, you know, I went back and had another night by myself. <laughs> it is a delicious whiskey. It really is. It's just completely different than... Uh, the uh, Angel of Your Eye. Yeah, most of that is the proof because uh, I believe the Angels of Your Eye is a hundred proof, and I, most Irish whiskeys are eighty. Yeah, they live around the eighty proof line. There's no doubt. So we went there, and while we were enjoying the Angel of Your Eye, so much we had. <laughs> you know, and what's great about the whiskey community is a person came in and he had just purchased through the lounge a bottle of Whistle Pig Boss Hog. 13 years aged, barrel strength, finished in Calvados casks. I, I don't know what Calvados is. Well, which version of the Boss Hog was it again? It was the fifth edition, uh, the Spirit of Mauve, whatever that means. Well, I know what it means. Whistle Pig normally ages her Boss Hog 15 years. Uh, in this case, they did 13 years. Uh, the Spirit of Mauve is a single barrel whiskey bottled at barrel proof. But the fifth edition of the 13 year straight rye finished in Calvados Apple Brandy. Mauve was from a growing canon of Whistlepig celebrity hogs who loved apples. Thus, the reason for finishing in the Cavados apple brandy barrels. Ah. She also is a former partner of another famous pig, Maul's lover Mortimer, who was the inspiration of the Black Prince 2. He was given that honor after his untimely death in 2014. Wow, Whistlepig's aptly named. 
They love their pigs there. I mean, they've had them for over a decade. Where does the whistle come from, I wonder? Mm, that's a whole other question. So whether you think it's morbid or not, uh, this particular bottle came in a box that was shaped like a casket. Yeah. <laughs> And it retails for anywhere from 600 to 650 a bottle. So it's definitely something that you're not going to run out and buy a case of. But Or maybe you are. I don't mean to judge you, but no. we're not buying a case of it. So no. the guy who bought it was nice enough to give Scott and I a drink of it. Yeah, that was really awesome. <laughs> it was really nice of him. And this is what I mean about whiskey drinkers. Because what is it, a glass? Well, if you buy it there, it's $100 a glass. Yeah. So we all drank it. And, of course, you don't want to drink a whiskey like that alone. You know, would you go sit in the corner and drink it? He's not that type of guy it's not that type of place so we all enjoyed it and it was spectacular now is it six times more spectacular than the angel envy rye that we we're drinking i don't think so but no. was it special yes. yes yeah i mean if you're spending uh six seven hundred dollars for a whiskey i think i said it that night it's like it better taste like this because if it doesn't you're gonna be extremely disappointed like you wasted your money i had whistle pig before in different versions i've never tasted anything that tasted just like that which is i guess what you're looking for if you're buying something that special but why the aging and maturation process has become so important, we're going to talk about later because it comes back around to our second event, which was the whiskey tasting. Yeah, so uh, our friend Rich is a cop, so a fraternal order of police charity event that he invited us to. It was uh, $60 to go in the door, um, and there were, what, 30, 31? He right. said 100, so I take issue with that. First of all, it's not a hundred because a hundred. Okay, and thank God, hundred is ridiculous. Yeah. And thank God, by the way, <laughs> if there was a yeah. hundred whiskeys there, I might not be sitting here. But that's a whole Ed, other part of the story. Ed might have died. I tasted my fill. That's yes. for sure. And we'll get to that in a minute. And we'll get to tasting for a minute. But there were um, about thirty whiskeys. Going back to the, before we leave the whiskey lounge. Mm. While I've been there, I've had so many people share stuff with me that I've never had. And this is why I encourage you to get out there and socialize with other drinkers. What was the Irish whiskey, that 17-year... Uh, um, did it start with a W? I thought it was a, um, an M. A Michael Rick Was it Richardson? No. Q? No. J? <laughs> X? Well, I'll just keep naming letters. I mean, Pi? <laughs> Oh, it was Middleton's. Oh, uh, that's it. 17. M. That was one of the letters I said. <laughs> <laughs> so 17-year Middleton's, I have to tell you, it was spectacular. It's about 160 a bottle. So once again, not something a normal person is going to drink a lot of. Uh, I think the best Irish whiskey I ever drank. Yeah, I remember tasting it. I don't remember what it tasted like. One time we were down in Wildwood at the uh, Anglesey Pub. Oh, God. And um, we were having a couple turkey clubs and looking to start our night there and go elsewhere. Right? That was the plan. And the bartender took a liking to us and he was determined that we were going to try every Irish whiskey that he had in the place from Powers to Patties to Tullamore Dew to Bushmills to Bushmills Black to it was just a plethora of Irish whiskeys we got a tremendous course in Irish whiskey that day yeah and they were friendly bartender pours as well like, yeah it was filling the glass to the top even though there was ice in it every time and these weren't small glasses. Right. The highlight of the night for me was Scott singing along with the band doing um, Down Under by Minute Work <laughs> as loud as he could. Uh, it yeah. was the highlight of my... Yeah, that's and, uh, right. we had a couple young ladies with us. And I, it was, uh, I do remember that. I then, also remember you finding me later sitting on the front steps yes. of the establishment, yes, um, not remembering where I was. Yes, you were getting some air. And then we <laughs> got you in the cab. We got you home. Yeah. And uh, it might be the perfect segue into the evening that we... We ended up having at the whiskey tasting event because um, somebody drank a little bit 
too much. Uh, you know, I didn't realize it was too much until it was too much, but let's talk about that in a minute. I have two complaints with the whiskey tasting that we went to. The food was spectacular. It really was. Yeah, it's For a good one, restaurant. It was a good very restaurant. good restaurant. It was done in a buffet. You know, small plate setting. You get, get a little piece of chicken, get a little hummus and pita, whatever you wanted to do. There was some pasta, which I wish I'd eaten more of. I'd gone there not eating dinner, and I started drinking before I hit the buffet, and that's all taboo amateur mistakes that I would never have made going to a whiskey tasting, but I really walked in there with an empty stomach. And sometimes I'm a little too overconfident. We, we all need to be careful about that. But don't get me wrong. Everything went well for many hours. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is just the way the night ended, not the way it went. I was True. fine. True. I was fine. You were night. fine. You were professional. I was, you were. I was, everything was spectacular. I was talking to the distributors and, and the different people. There's two complaints I have. They didn't have water, okay? There should have been pictures of water everywhere everywhere yeah okay i had to keep requesting water from the staff that was the ignorance of the people who set up the event because they invited the vendors in but you need to have water second some of the people were spectacularly informed about the product yes they were whiskey connoisseurs they were knowledgeable and when they poured me a tasting they poured me like a tasting other people were kind of a little bit on the tna pretty faces smiles yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of the same people we see at the Philadelphia Car Show. Yeah, and they were pouring me drinks like I was having a party at their house. I and went. I made the mistake of going to one of those first. Yes, and, me too. We went there first. Yeah, and maybe and because she, wait, maybe because well, maybe she had a nice smile and a pretty face. That she possibly maybe she worked. It drew us there first. The thing was, she gave us these glasses and just free poured. I mean, a healthy, friendly bartender poured drink. I'm like. Oh, this is how tonight's going right. to go. And I'm stone, bone, cold, sober. So I took that right to the heart. Like, it was a delicious drink. I enjoyed it. And then we went right to the next one, and we started getting two more tastes of that. And I realized, wait, I need to eat. So I broke off and ate. But at that point, I technically probably had, had two, two and a half drinks before I even got, like, a piece of chicken and some salad in me. So yeah, I that's my first. only problem. You really should have people who know the product. It, it makes the tasting so much more enjoyable. And we'll get to some of the great people that, and what we learned. You know, because you can learn something no matter how much you've been around whiskey. There's always something to learn when you go to a tasting. And I think one of the people who was really knowledgeable, like you said, her name, and I remember this because she was very knowledgeable, Emily from uh, Heaven Hill. Yeah, we talked about Heaven Hill on our podcast before. They make a couple of products that I've liked for a long time. Elijah Craig, for example, what I consider one of the most underrated bourbons on the market. But talking to her, they have a bunch of other ones that I didn't realize that they offered, including an 18-year and a 23-year, which I've never seen. And I would no, love I've... to try them. Sure. I really would, because I'm a big Elijah Craig fan. That's so true. Maybe time has them. We could do a flight. Possible. We should go to time. That's in Philly. It's one of our favorite whiskey bars in Philadelphia. As I say, every podcast, we're going to mention it every time. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> I can just imagine everyone pressing stop. <laughs> changing, changing to Joe Rogan right now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they had the Blenheim Weeded Whiskey. They had the regular Elijah Craig. A single barrel Evan Williams, yes, which is usually their low brand that's a competitor of Jim Beam and Jack Daniels, the black label. But this was single barrel, which was very good. It was, and, and it, it is. And the Evan Williams single barrel, just so you know, it's about an 87 proof, seven to eight years aged. It is under the radar, very affordable, and very drinkable. It might be the cheapest single barrel out there. It might be. I mean, it's won some awards. Every whiskey bottle has some type of award on it, you know, a gold medal, silver 
other medals. I think they just get together and give each other medals every uh, quarter. But one product that I have been seeing everywhere I go the last six months is their Larceny 92 proof. That bourbon. was one of the other ones. Yeah, Larceny. And I did try that. That was actually that was good too. The uh, one of the first drinks I had, and she knew what she was doing, so she was giving us tasters. But we tasted five things. So next thing you know, you know, you know the first woman who was extremely nice and gave us the giant generous pour. We would ask her some questions about it, and then she would kind of look at the bottle like she didn't. Really we actually it. knew way more about her product than yeah, she did. But Emily was spouting off facts and figures and uh, the aging process and uh, the proofs without even having to look at the bottle or refer to the amazing booklet they had on hand, which they gave us a copy. It was just well done. Heaven Hill impressed me very much of the tasting. They were prepared. They had a great product list with them. They had a great knowledgeable person there to inform us. And to me, I left there with their distillery a lot higher in my mind and their products a lot higher in my opinion as well. So Larceny's one you can take a chance on, I think, mm-hmm. if you're looking for something new. But if you haven't had Elijah Craig, start there. Uh, Elijah Craig is one that I always liked to dismiss. And then every time I had it, I have to reevaluate my opinion of it. Sorry. I have to issue an official I apology to Elijah Craig. And I spike it on him. <laughs> and, then, and then I make him hold a basketball and I block it into the stands. And then he makes me have two drinks. Of, of the Elijah Craig. Of the Elijah Craig. Which is really not a punishment at all. It's actually delicious. That's true. Hmm, maybe that's why I do it. So the um, uh, <laughs> other things that we... Uh, so we, we can start off with the first uh, woman that we went to who gave us the giant pours. She had uh, Redemption. Right. Redemption. Which we already talked about in our first... We podcast. know way more about it than she did. Yeah. Um, she actually told... Us, I was just really hired to come here and pour. Yeah, yeah, and and she was, and, and that's fine. Uh, Bib and Tucker, which has a, an amazing bottle. Uh, I can't even describe it accurately. Just look up Bib and Tucker bottle on Google, and you'll just see this amazing dark glass, raised glass on it. Yeah, it, it looks like you dug it out of like the floor of a barn from the 1800s. It's so rustic and so old looking. Can you be like, this is amazing? I had it many years ago. I read something about it. Said it was a great whiskey. It it was about $50, I think, and I decided to take a chance on it, partially because the bottle was so damn cool. Cool bottle. I hated it. I absolutely <laughs> loathed it. I couldn't finish it. It was so bad. At the tasting- We tried it again. We tried it again. He didn't want to. I did not want to, I but- said, come on. It's been a long time. I liked it. It was really actually a very unique taste. And I can't explain the difference. I mean, maybe it was just a different whiskey. Like we said before, and we'll probably say again, if you're a new company and you need to get your whiskey out there, you buy your whiskey from somewhere else. Now, that whiskey might not be what your whiskey is going to taste like. I mean, I don't know about the good reviews. Maybe I just got a bad batch. I have no idea. But okay, official apology to Bib and Tucker now. And so a perfect two, segue. That's two whiskeys. A I perfect segue for. to what I want to talk about next, which is Sagamore Spirits, a Maryland-based distillery. And they were there in force. I've seen them before in the stores. And our whiskey lounge has them and, and other places. And I've walked right by them. I just was like, you know, Maryland rye whiskey. I mean, isn't there other things for me to try before that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I know everybody had whiskey in the colonies. You know? So they had a fantastic person there who was actually pouring the whiskey, who knew all about the individual rise that they had there. By the way, that's what we're drinking right now. Right. In honor of 
the impression that they made at the tasting on us. We went out and we bought a bottle of Sagamore Spirit Rye, which is um, their mildest one, actually. Yeah, their regular rye it is uh, 83 proof. Which is far lower than most of their other offerings. Their their port finish is 101 proof, which we, which we also sampled that night. They have a cask strength, which was also at the store tonight, but that was about $64, $65. The rye bottle that we got, the regular rye, yeah. was about 43 We didn't feel like doing 113 proof tonight, I'll be honest with you. Like, well, it's, 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 a, a, it's a weeknight here for us. We've got yeah. other things we have to do tomorrow. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> my favorite that they had there, they had four whiskeys, the two that we mentioned already, and a double-oaked rye, which was my favorite whiskey of the night. There was so much rye character in it. It was like the rye punched you in the nose with it. It was delicious. The one that we're dealing with is their traditional spirit rye. It's it's a very nice drinking rye whiskey. All of them were. We yeah, remember we were yeah. in a whiskey tasting with sixty different whiskeys. Thirty. It was sixty dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there was thirty different whiskeys to taste, and and once again, I tasted pretty much all of them. So I'm just going <laughs> to leave it out there. You know, the mistake I probably made is I had a couple favorites which I could have passed. There was a single barrel uh, Jack Daniels, which I hadn't had for a very long time, and I have an affection for because it doesn't taste anything like Jack Daniels. It's a very unique-tasting whiskey. And again, if you're confused between what's a small batch and single barrel, uh, it's exactly what it says. Small batch, they take a bunch of barrels and they mix them together, but in small quantities. Or they only produce it in small batches. The single barrel is literally a single barrel. They choose it because... For whatever reason, when it was being aged, it was in the proper place. It got the right kind of wood and proper temperature. It tasted to the master distillers as one of the best, and they uh, can charge a premium for it because it tastes amazing. Correct. And you can actually, uh, and I've been a part of this through a very close and favorite cousin of mine, Greg, he would go to Tennessee and buy a barrel with a bunch of guys and then bring it back home and bottle it. And they would have like, I don't know, like I can't remember how many bottles. Like, yeah, we probably look at The that bottom up. line is that the, if the list price was $52 in the store today, you can get probably three bottles for $100, what it would average price-wise. So it was a good deal, and it was delicious, and each one tasted a little bit different. We got three or four barrels in a row, so we were able to taste the difference of the brands because we had some left over, so we'd have like a barrel three with a barrel one, and it's very interesting. Not, the, to, not to go off on a Jack Daniels tangent, but... The Googles say that a, uh, a barrel is about 53 gallons, which is 267 750 milliliter bottles. Right. So there you go. That's a lot of bottles. Yeah. And the barrel wasn't cheap, but when you break it with a bunch of people all going in to get bottles, it right. wasn't bad at all. Right. And you get a lot of bottles. Right. So if you threw $200 and you got, you went, went home with six barrels of. Six bottles? No, six bottles. If you threw yeah, $200 and. In... You said six barrels. Oh, damn it. Six <laughs> bottles of really good whiskey. So back now, to Sagamore. About this, back to Sagamore. They are a incredibly new distillery to have such great product so the question you april asked of 2017 all right so, so not even two years old so here let me ask the question you're asking how does a company <laughs> have the voice four, have four-year-old or five-year-old delicious rye whiskey okay when they've only been in business for two years hmm. scratch your head we asked ourselves this and then we went onto their website to try to figure out what the deal was and uh they had a little paragraph talking about their rye whiskey. Tell the people what Sagamore Spirit says about their rye whiskey. Why, I will, Ed. Well, good. I'll drink while you do that. A bit about our rye whiskey. 
We are proud to call Baltimore our home, and since April 2017, have been distilling and aging our proprietary straight whiskey from our distillery on Baltimore's waterfront. It takes four years to get the perfect taste, so stay tuned. Which means we're not drinking what they're distilling. Second paragraph. But we wanted to share our Maryland-style rye whiskey before our distillery was built. So we asked our friends in Indiana, MGP, to distill our two different proprietary mash bills for us. They make great whiskeys out there, and we couldn't be prouder of the product. Once the whiskey is aged, it's shipped to our Maryland distillery in barrels, and our distilling team proofs it with Sagamore Farm spring water before hand-bottling and labeling each one. It's just what I said with Bibb & Tucker and what we've said before about new companies. Right. If I said if Scott and I were going to start up a company, this is what we would do. And it just sounds terrible when you hear it. It sounds like a disaster of a product. And yet, I'm telling you, Sagamore Spirit Rye, the double oak is a treat. The regular rye is very nice. I mean, MGP are geniuses. I mean, I want to meet the owners and operators of that place. We should uh, go out there. They have, we, we probably should. They have given us so many spectacular nights and so much fun. And dozens of products come from them. Yeah, and we, we mentioned uh, a bunch of them. Was that our first podcast? Yeah. We've only done two. We, we should probably remember which one it was. What do you think this tastes like? I can't really put my finger on it. It, it tastes very different from the Redemption, I'll say that, which I'm assuming starts with similar rye mash bill. I'm going to look so for the mash bill because I'm not, I'm not sure we know what their mash bill is. Who? MGP? No, no. Uh, um, the Sagamore mash bill that they're talking about. Yeah, I think they're hiding that because I think we know what it is and <laughs> more we, than they do. We probably think, we probably know it's Which the 95. The 95. Five, five, right? right. That Sagamore will use some of their local spring water to proof it down to 83. And maybe when they get the barrels, they're mixing the barrels to try to get a particular taste. Mm-hmm. So it, it is going to be different. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, bullet rye uh, with a little bit of water in it. I taste a lot of vanilla and maybe a little honey. Definitely some caramel. Yeah, there's definitely a sweetness there. It could be honey. And it's not just us. If you go online and look at expert reviews, they like this. They like this rye whiskey, the one that we're drinking. They like it. These are the people who are paid to to uh, to give their opinions to the industry. Trying to find it. it says at least fifty one percent, but it has to be if it's a rye. So that's not really telling me anything. No, right. So the reality is, it shouldn't be good based on what Scott and I were like led to believe in our lives. That you have to have whiskey for ten years and sit it in a barrel and no one touches it. It's grown from corn right outside in the backyard, and you bring it in and you you grind it up and you make it into a whiskey. But that's not what's happening here. MGP is supplying the world with amazing American whiskeys. Okay, so I finally found out on. A website that their percentages for their mash bill are proprietary. So I call bullshit. Um, I want to know. So I think what's going on here is they're taking some of the classic 95 mash bill and they're probably blending it with another one of NGPs that's a little bit lower to get their own kind of blend of the two different batches. They, yeah, they don't want you to know that. This is uh, specifically about the cask strength rye whiskey saying the percentages are proprietary, but that it did blend two different straight rye whiskey. Wow, so, it's like I'm Nostradamus over here. Whiskey Damas? <laughs> Uh, and I can't see a, a goddamn thing. I don't know why I'm looking stuff up, but you can't look it up because you just went to the eye doctors. And yeah, it. and I came from the eye doctor. Like I've been dilated two and a half hours ago. I still can't read. Like, it's crazy. Uh, we're I both sh- over 50. So <laughs> when you get older, yeah, yeah you're going to get ailments. Right. And, uh, you know, once you get over 50, you know, they recommend, I'm, I'm, you know, as a public service announcement, I like to like to keep everybody healthy out there. Over 50. <laughs> Ed's PSA. You should, um, you should get a colon, on your you know, butt. You should get a colonoscopy and get your colon checked out. 
Um, my father had colon cancer, so I, I've been getting them since I was 40 every five years. And uh, it's a great experience when you're getting a colonoscopy. The uh, the prep is the worst part, no doubt. It just locks you down for 24 hours. You can't really go anywhere. And you can't eat, right? Yeah, no, nah, you can't. No, you just liquids, clear liquids. And that's, you know, that's never Clearly, I have not had a colonoscopy. <laughs> you need to, and we'll talk I about do, it. I do, but I just did turn 50 and, and don't have a family history of it. But you did just turn 50, but. Stop so, um, saying, but. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. Let me ask you, Scott, though. You never had a colonoscopy. Right. How many times do you think you're going to have something put up your butt for a colonoscopy? <laughs> How many times? Yeah, like in your mind, going into a colonoscopy. Once when they actually once. do it. Exactly. That's what you would think. Oh, is that not the case? No, not with my guy. My guy's an overachiever, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> the first time I went for a colonoscopy with him, and he's an amazing doctor. He's very talented, but he's incredible incredibly eclectic like he looks up when he talks sometimes like his eyes float to the top of his head and he's like we're gonna get in there and we're gonna take a look around and you know if we see something we're gonna snip it and send it out and don't worry about it and you're gonna be fine and i don't mind that so I, I go to meet with him to consult for the colonoscopy which i expected to do he's gonna tell me what he's gonna do and so next thing i know i'm on the table all right and it's awkward because i've got my dress pants are like bundled up at my knees <laughs> right with my drawers I got like a little paper blanket on me, which anyone who knows me knows it's not big enough. All right. All my glory is hanging out the back. He's got an assistant with him. He's got quite a lot of glory. So he's putting this little practice colonoscopy up, a little seismoscope or seismoscope. Oh, the sigmoidoscope. Exactly. Yes. And goes up about, uh, you know, 18 inches to show me what he's going to work on. Mm. I don't know why we're there. I mean, I guess he wanted to take a look. So we do that. That's but fine. That's fine. It, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't wait, planned. Isn't that the colonoscopy? No, 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 well, no. But he's no, looking. No, no, I mean, no. It's only like a foot and a half. It's basically, I think he would just oh. want to see the lay of the land to see if there was anything in yeah, the, in there's the like, rectum or something. There's like miles of colon. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I go away. I have the colonoscopy. I wake up in the recovery. It's fine. It's no big deal. It went great. I don't remember much. I, you know, they well, give they you put that, you on propofol. Yeah. They give you that yep. Michael Jackson, you yeah, know, yeah. go to sleep stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's the best so, sleep you ever had. Of course, he died. Well, yeah, that. but you shouldn't do it at home. The point is, the colonoscopy was a dream. It was no problem, and everything turned out well. So then mm. I'm good. The one thing amazed me, the room was so small. Once they put the gurney in, everybody had about two feet between them and the machinery or the wall. What do you mean everybody? There was four to five people in the room <laughs> oh, with me. Jesus Christ. I am butt-ass naked under the sheet with, once again, all my glory hanging out. And at least they lowered the lights, gave me a little bit of mood lighting. You know, I'm on my side. And it's the only time you feel a little bit awkward. You know, it doesn't happen every day that you're just butt-naked in front of, like, four to five people. Depends you're what all- your Saturday nights are like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no judgment. So, here's the funniest part. Okay. I go back, like... Three weeks later, he throws me back on the table again. So there, my dress pants are third time now, down around my knees. The same assistants in the room, on my side. Now this time he's got me watching the TV screen of my colon while he's fishing the what type? Of oh, the sigmoidoscope. Yes, correct. Yeah, he's, he's putting up there and he wants to show me what he's done. Right, and this is the best line. He goes, "Now we may encounter some stool. Don't be embarrassed." <laughs> and I said to him, "Why would I be embarrassed, Doc?" The stool is where it's supposed to be. You're not where you're supposed to be. And then the nurse walks out of the room because she's laughing so hard. She actually leaves because she can't keep it together. And he's laughing. And I'm like, well, yeah, dude. You're in my ass. I know where stool comes from. I'm 50. That's true. That's, and, yeah, that's um, hilarious. Yeah, you know, not only do you get to be healthy, you get a visual tour of the inside of your colon. So that was my uh, that was that was my January. That's right there. that's fantastic. And, and halfway through February, yeah. 
Here's the bad news okay. because um, recommendations have just come out that maybe not in your case because you do have a family history of it and or perhaps risk factors. If you do not have a family history or risk factors for it, you do not have to have a colonoscopy because a simple fecal test mm-hmm. that you perform at home and send it away to the uh, lab mm-hmm. is just as effective at screening colon cancer as a invasive colonoscopy. How can that be? How can that tell if a polyp is turning cancerous? I have to question that. It sounds like the drug companies or the fecal no. inspector company is, is lobbying it, for that. It's because cells from that polyp okay. that is becoming cancerous mm-hmm. would slough off into your feces. All right. Well, if people and have, can be detected, if people haven't shut off the podcast by now, <laughs> I don't know. You guys are diehards at this point. <laughs> But that's all I'm saying. That's true. I was just pointing out that my doctor is an overachiever. That's all I was trying to stress. This is a tangent right up your ass. That's what this is. (laughs) So to sum up the night at the whiskey tasting, we had a great time and a lot of our friends were there and we met some new people. A lot of policemen there. I met a policeman's wife, Sasha, who was younger than us, but beginning her journey into whiskey. And it was really interesting to see her perspective on some things. It really was. I felt like she was like us. You know, 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, because he was like a sponge. He really asked a lot of questions from us and the people. And, and it really gave us a kind of an insight to that whiskey drinker and helped us kind of clarify what we need to really focus on. What was also interesting is she was very into scotches, of which there yes. was really only one there. Yes. A 16-year, it was actually delicious. I had too much of it. So, evidently, towards the end of the night, we got ready to leave. And they were all packing up with their stuff, and then you went and hoarded. Uh, I collected a couple of drinks at the end. <laughs> he um, says collected. The word is hoarding. I had three drinks lined up in front of me that three, I probably four. didn't need because I'd already had five. Five drinks. I, I, that's that's fake news. <laughs> four. I think I were found four. one in my hand. Yes. All right, went far. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had three lined up in front of me, and I was drinking one. Yes. But. They were closing up, so what do you do? At our whiskey lounge, I probably had $65 in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, I took one of them from you and drank it. And then I kept feeding you water because you fell off a cliff. Yeah, I was fine until I wasn't, right? Yeah. Fair to say? Yes. I'm like, hey, how are you? Yeah, yeah, right. The only problem I have is I, I just don't remember the journey from the restaurant to the house. Well, I'll tell you what happened. We walked. Be kind. We got. Be kind. We went to get our coats. The woman was uh, very nice, uh, very aged I had woman. The, I had the ticket. I gave it to the aged, wrinkled, like like a shrunken apple-headed woman. She's the least eighty-eight. <laughs> Just 108. At least 88. And, but she gave us her coats, but then she literally stopped me. Like, with strength, I did not know that a woman that old could have to give us our Heaven Hill distillery booklet. That I'd put there hours earlier. And you must have, you must have instilled, like, you know, like it was the Holy Grail. Do not let us forget this. Do not let us forget this. No matter how drunk I am. (laughs) So I collected all that stuff. I, we got your coat on. Sergio's driving us. We're walking to his car and you knock over a sign outside of the restaurant, knocking it over. People inside at windows heard the commotion and saw what was happening and they were just laughing. It was fine. The sign was fine. It was metal. And Sergio just calmly picked it up. He's a good guy. And, and he drove us back here. You pass out on my couch. I fell, and, I fell asleep uh, on your couch. And Serge and I correct? talked for about 20 minutes and you were not moving. I slept. Yeah, you slept. You slept there. It's a long week. I, I, was I tired. could not wake you up. I just went to bed and left you there. Okay. <laughs> it was all right. I woke up at about 3.30 and I 
got my sheet and pillow and laid on the couch and everything was all right. Yeah, got some water and some Advil. You're all right. Uh, yeah, that's fine. It was a top 10 night for me in my career, but you live and learn. Right. You know, even at my age, you can still learn. So Overall, it was a good night. So that's my second PSA to everybody today. <laughs> Eat a good, healthy dinner if you go to a whiskey tasting. I'm and you. remember that. Drink water while you're doing You're it. supposed to taste yeah. the whiskeys, not have a full drink at all 30 stations. Right. Which I didn't do, but. I, you might as well have. I would be surprised if I didn't drink about three quarters of a bottle that night. Yeah, I, I agree. think that's probably accurate, and that's a little bit sloppy on my part. So I, I'm, I'm going to. You're a professional drinker. You should have. I should have known better, and and you know I was excited to be there, and I let my excitement get in the way of just common sense. Yeah, that's all right. We yeah. all have those nights. Yep. Yeah. And I got a text message from Sasha asking to be on our podcast, and I'm going to say, Sasha, you just were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's good. That all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, and uh, enjoy a nice drink. Drink responsibly. A good life to all of you. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Whiskey Tangent. And follow us on Twitter at Whiskey Tangent. You can follow me personally at That Whiskey Guy. And follow Scott at Giant Cup of Awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey! You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.